Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. All our veterans, so as you know, uh, November 11th is Veterans Day, and throughout our country, there were parades and ceremonies and all kinds of wonderful things happening to honor veterans. So we want to take a moment to honor all of our veterans who are part of the church. So if you are a military veteran or actively serving right now, could you please stand and so we can thank God for you. So go ahead, guys, and, and women stand. And if you could remain standing for a moment. And I, I want you to do that for two reasons. I want everybody else to look around. And um, as you get faces in mind after church today, if you could just take a moment and thank them uh, for their service. And also remain standing. I would like to pray for you as well. So let's pray. Father, thank you for these men and women who have served our country. And thank you for their families who have experienced the sacrifice of service as well. Lord, we thank you for the freedoms that we have in this nation. We thank you for the freedom to even gather today. And we, we thank you for uh, their sacrifice in their particular branch of service. And we just give you all the thanks and praise for them. We pray today would be an encouraging day for them. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys may be seated. If you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 15 through 21. I'm coming back. Ephesians 5, uh, verse 15 through 21. I'm just going to let you stare at this for a long time, try to figure it out. We'll get to it in about 10 or so minutes, I think. All right, well, last week, um, Dave preached a very helpful message from Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 17. And so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that or watch that or you weren't here last Sunday, please check that out. It was a very helpful, useful, and practical sermon. So today we're going to do a little overlap from the tail end of what he preached because it really will set the stage for where we're heading next week. Um, and so we're going to look at six verses today that are going to focus in on how, how to really walk out the Christian life that the Apostle Paul has been presenting in, um, a chap in, Ephesians, in the whole letter of Ephesians, but particularly in Ephesians 5. And so next week, we're going to see how this Christian life walks out in marriage, in parenting, and in, let's say, um, station of life type situations. So where you have a boss or you are the boss, or, or you're the subordinate. So how does that all tie together? The Apostle Paul is going to help us. So if you want to read ahead, I would really encourage you next week to prepare. Read ahead, ask questions of the passage, and then we'll kind of walk through it together. So today's Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Next week is 22, the whole way through Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9. With that in mind, let's look at Ephesians 5. The Apostle Paul says this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, 
making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to ask three questions of this passage. First question is how should we live as Christians? Question two is how do we walk wisely? How do we actually do this? Where's the power come from? And then the third question is what does it look like when a church is filled with the Holy Spirit? What, what does a church look like when the Holy Spirit is very present and actively at work in all of its members? So we're going to get those three answers from the passage this morning. First, first question, how should we live as Christians? Verse 15 and 16 gives us the answer. Look carefully how you walk. That's kind of shorthand for how you live, how you conduct yourself in thought, in word, in action. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. So as the Apostle Paul has been teaching throughout Ephesians, he he begins the letter in chapter 1 and 2, pointing and drawing our attention to the the free grace of God that we find in Jesus Christ, the free gift of salvation that anyone and everyone who turns to Jesus and trusts in him is saved, is forgiven, is made spiritually alive. And then we see he's transitioning through this letter that um, if, if you've encountered the grace of God, it is meant to change you. You should be different. Another way to think of it is when someone professes Christ, there should be evidence, a growing evidence over time that God is at work in them, that the Holy Spirit, in fact, is inside of you. And there's evidence of life. People see it. People notice it. Sometimes that life takes a while to make its way to the surface. But if it's in there, it will come out. And so the the Apostle Paul, he uses this phrase quite a few times of walking out the Christian life. And remember that the title of this whole series in Ephesians is Encountering Transforming Grace. So those words were chosen carefully because Ephesians is really a description of what happens when you encounter God's transforming grace. It's saving grace, but it's more than that. He actually changes and transforms us from the inside out. So here's by way of review, the Apostle Paul's use of this phrase, to walk. Ephesians 4.1, Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I, I urge you, Live out your Christian life. Verse 17 of chapter 4. Now this I say, 
and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles. Don't do what you used to do. Don't do that. Don't live as if you don't know Jesus Christ, as if you haven't been made spiritually alive. Don't do that. Then in chapter 5, he begins the chapter like this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So if God is your Father, that should affect how you live, what you do, what you think about. Verse 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we are saved by Jesus alone. Jesus who is fully God, fully man, died on the cross, paid for our sins, rose from the grave, is ascended to heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father. One day we'll come back. The risen King Jesus, who is your Lord and King, if you profess Him, He intends you to walk out that Christian life. And then that brings us to our passage for this morning, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. How you live, not as wise, but unwise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. One of the things I really appreciate about what Dave did last week is he asked some really practical questions and gave some really practical suggestions. One was this, ask God for wisdom and read his word regularly. Ask God for wisdom. If you're not sure how to do this, ask God for wisdom. And let me encourage you, as you ask God, be very specific in your asking. So if you're a parent and you're not sure what to do in a particular situation with a particular child, ask God for wisdom. If you're a spouse and you're not sure what to do, ask God for wisdom. If you're an IUP student and you're not sure what to do in a particular situation, ask God for wisdom. And he will grant you the wisdom you need to walk it out in whatever situation you're in. Another suggestion he gave last week is ask people who have walked through similar situations. So we are in a church family that has all age people. We are a multi-generational church. And one of the benefits of that is most likely there's someone sitting near you who has experienced something similar to what you're walking through right now. Ask them how they have honored Christ in whatever situation you find yourself in. So maybe it's a difficult workplace situation, difficult coworkers, difficult boss, difficult everything. Talk to the Christians around you. Get to know them. What would you do in this situation? What have you done in this situation? How have you seen God help you walk this out? Maybe you've just become a Christian. You just turned from a life of just pursuing sin and now you've been rescued. And you just don't know how to do this at all. Talk to the Christians that you're getting to know. Ask them to help you, to pray for you, to encourage you to walk this Christian life out. I remember when I met Jesus as a 19-year-old IUP student, that was one of my first prayers. Lord, bring Christians into my life. I really don't know many. And he brought all age Christians that helped me to know how to live the Christian life. So we're to walk this out 
And we're to, to be wise. We're to be wise in the use of our time, it says in verse 16. It's another good question to ask other Christians. How do you balance all of rest, relaxation, serving the Lord? How do, you, how do you do that? The Bible has principles, but maybe the walking out is just a little confusing to you. Some of us are maybe on the just kind of the doing end. You feel like you should be doing stuff all the time. Others of you are so far like on the relaxation end over here that maybe you need to talk to some people over there. And, and probably the sweet spot somewhere in the middle. So we enjoy gifts from God. We enjoy rest. But then we are serious about making disciples and using our gifts and talents for him. Talk to those around you. If you're new to Saving Grace Church, one of our strong values that we see in the scriptures is relationships, all the one another's of the New Testament. We are a very relational church, and so we want to encourage you to get to know people. If this is your first Sunday, one of the things you'll notice after church is people don't leave right away because they like to talk to each other. We think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, that's what happens at our break. That's kind of the challenge of our, we might be the only church you visit with a halftime in the middle, as some of you call it. Um, that's by design so we can encourage friendships and relationships in the church. So the point is we're to walk this out. Now here's the beauty of the Christian life. We don't do this in our own strength. We don't walk out the Christian life in our own strength. We don't, we don't just get saved by Jesus and then he says you're on your own. Go figure it out. Good luck. Hope you can make it. Suck it up if you're, if you're struggling. That's not how the Lord set things up. Which brings us to the second question. How do we do this? Now, if you're reading through Ephesians, verse 18, the first phrase in verse 18 is kind of abrupt. Like, okay, the Apostle Paul, I didn't, didn't see, see this coming. I didn't think you were going to write this. So he throws a curveball. And remember, he's writing to a primary primarily Gentile group of Christians who had a wild past and have encountered Jesus. And so what's about to hit us makes sense if you think of who he's writing to. Verse 18. So we're walking, we're walking, we're going to follow Jesus. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. So what the Apostle Paul is saying is, hey, remember your past for some of you. Don't go back to enslavement in alcohol or other drugs in our context. Don't, don't go find refuge in things that will never satisfy, which leads to debauchery. So that, just think of the worst sins that come with that lifestyle. So don't do that. Rather, be filled with the Spirit. So what he's doing here, he's setting up a contrast. Don't indulge and alcohol, and reap the consequences of that. Rather, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't go, he, he could say, to alcohol to solve your problems or to deal with life's pressures. See, the Apostle Paul, though this was written thousands of years ago, the same is true today that that looking for life in substances that will never satisfy, will never satisfy. And probably, this is, I know this is true in my life, it's probably true in those of you who have um, 
gotten drunk or used other drugs. The, the worst decisions of my life before I knew Jesus came under the influence of some sort of substance. And so there's no life there. And Jesus frees us from that life. But I know for some, it is a temptation to go back to what's familiar, to go back to alcohol or other drugs for refuge. Don't go there. There's no life there. But rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, when he sets up alcohol and drunkenness against being filled with the Spirit, he has two kind of opposite ideas in mind. When somebody is fully intoxicated, they lose all self-control. They often lose bodily functions, the ability to do all kinds of things. Mental capacity. See, with the Holy Spirit, God wants us to be sober-minded, to be clear-thinking. This is why, um, just kind of a side note that's very relevant to us, will be very relevant uh, coming up, is if and when marijuana gets legalized in Pennsylvania, as it's happening in other states um, across the country, you can apply in principle this idea that any substance that causes significant impairment is contrary to the life of the Spirit that God wants you to experience. So it doesn't so matter, much matter if it's legal or not legal. It matters if it impairs or not. Now, if you're wondering that our stance on alcohol, um, that's a whole other sermon in and of itself. You can go to our website and, and hear a message I preached on this subject a number of years ago. I believe it was in 2018. If you can't find the link, just send me an email and I'll send it to you. I'm not going to go down that road because I want the emphasis to be here. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of every Christian. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you put your trust in Him, God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. Lives inside of you right now. Now, and then he intends to produce fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit is this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if you're paying attention, though, to this command... He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a command, but it's a, it's a passive command. We're to be filled with the Spirit, but he actually doesn't tell us how to be filled. And then what happens after um, the verse, to be filled, is an explanation of what it looks like when somebody is filled. So the question is, well, how, how do we become more filled with the Holy Spirit. So we already have the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian. How do you have more of the Holy Spirit? And the Apostle Paul actually answers this question um, in some other places in the letter to Ephesians that we, we looked at uh, before. So we're going to get into that a little bit. But I want you to think about this concept because it can be a little abstract, um, which is why we have a blue picture to help us out. But before we talk about the blue picture, I want you to think of what is easier, 
to understand how wind works or to understand if it's a windy day? So what, what's easier to explain? So if, if the answer is A, raise your hand to understand how wind works. Got a couple of smart people in the room. Uh, to, or B, understand if it's a windy day today. Who thinks B? Yeah, B. It's a lot easier to understand it's a windy day. Just like it's a lot easier to know if somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit because they have the fruit of the Spirit. They have the joy of the Lord. They have the peace of the Lord. But how does it all work? So we are God's vessel. We have the Holy Spirit. But we see in this command we are to be filled. So the implication is we can have more of an awareness of God's presence, more of awareness of God's power. So I want you to imagine this. So this is a picture. It's empty. Just a picture of water. But I want you to imagine that this represents you. This is the Christian. And so the pitcher, if it is to be filled, is not the one doing the filling. The pitcher can't go to a source of water and make the water come out. But the pitcher, if, if this is you, if this is us, the pitcher can, we're going to give it life. So it's going to come to life. It's going to be alive. So the pitcher can make a decision. So if this pitcher decides to go um, to a desert, to the Sahara Desert, and just sit there, and just sit there and wait, and wait, and wait, and it's hot. It's 130 degrees, and the sun's just beating. There's scorpions and cactus going around it. It's not going to be filled with water anytime soon. It's in the desert. But if this same pitcher decides to go to Lake Erie and just sit by the lake and go to Lake Erie on a day that rain is promised from the weatherman, this pitcher is much more likely to be filled with water. If this pitcher then goes, let's say, um, is at Presque Isle, at Lake Erie and is right by one of the shower houses and sees a faucet and walks its way under and just sits itself right under the faucet. Much more likely to be refilled as it sits. See, the pitcher, it, it, it can't make the water come out, but it can do certain things to put themselves in a place where you're much more likely to be filled and refilled and refilled and refilled again. And the Apostle Paul and, and kind of the scriptures as a whole gives us, let's say, three very simple things we can do to be filled with the Spirit as Christians. Some of these ideas I, I got from a, a great teaching by John Piper that I'm going to send out um, on Friday in, uh, in the newsletter that, that we send out every week. So these are not original ideas. Um, but the first thing we can do, and this is going to seem so obvious, but I wonder how often we do it, is pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what's the very first thing we can do? We can pray. We can ask the Lord. And when you ask the Lord, don't just ask him for yourself. Ask him for all your friends. Ask him for your family. Ask him for your church. Ask him for Indiana County and Armstrong County and Westmoreland County. Fill your people freshly with the Holy Spirit. See, as you pray, as you ask the Lord, we become more aware of the Lord's work and the Lord's ways. Listen to two of Paul's prayers from, from Ephesians. Ephesians 1.18. He says, Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know 
What is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Lord, would you, would you give me more of an awareness of you? Lord, would you give me more of an experience of you? May I experience your presence. May I experience your peace. May I experience the reality of who you are in my, my everyday life. When I get up tomorrow morning, when I go to work tomorrow morning, fill me with your spirit. He says this in Ephesians 3, 14 and through 19. This is his prayer. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, when we are praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're praying for a greater awareness of who God is, a greater belief in who he is as revealed in the Bible. A greater sense that whatever circumstance you find yourself in, you're looking at it through the lens of faith, through the lens of his word, not just through your own feelings about a particular situation. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Give me more of your presence as I go into this situation. So the first thing we should do is pray. Ask the Lord to fill you. Ask the Lord to fill those around you with His Spirit freshly. These are going to seem so obvious. Second one, when you do that, actually believe it. Pray in faith when you ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, we want to ask the Lord and we want to believe that He's actually going to answer the prayers that we ask. I mean, think of your, your, your kids, particularly the, the young, well, they don't even have to be that young. They could be elementary age, they could be toddlers, they could be teenagers, they could be um, in their 20s. But if they really want something from you as their mom and dad, they're going to ask, and they're going to ask, and they're going to ask, and they're going to wear you down, and they're going to ask. They're going to they're ask with confidence because they know you have the ability to give them what they want. At least they hope that that you have the ability. Sometimes we don't have the ability, but a child will ask. So one of the things that Mary and I just did recently is ask our kids, like, tell us what you want for Christmas. And so our sons ask for normal, modest Christmas gifts, and our daughter just keeps texting us pictures of cars. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you might as well aim high, right? I, I mean, that, that's a big ask. And, uh, and we can give her a picture of, car, of a car for Christmas. Um, but with the Lord, if we're asking something that's very clearly according to his will, which is to be filled with his spirit, we can do that in faith. So we need to ask. When we ask, we ask in faith. Consider this verse from Galatians chapter 3. So Galatians chapter, the whole book of Galatians is about 
um, being justified through Christ's righteousness, not by works. But, but the Apostle Paul has some extra, really incredible things that are kind of tucked in at certain places. This is one of them, um, starting in verse 5. Does he who supply the Spirit to you or work miracles among you do so by works of the law? In other words, do so because you've, you've been a good Christian this week? Or by hearing with faith? The implication is by hearing with faith. God will work among you and do miracles among us because we believe Him, because we trust Him. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Then we get this description of Barnabas in the book of Acts. Listen to this description in Acts eleven twenty three. This is about Barnabas. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Listen to this description. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. See, the two things are, are tied together. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Barnabas was a good man. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was the first one to take a risk and befriend the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul had a reputation for hunting down Christians. So it's understandable that people didn't want anything to do with him. But Barnabas, filled with the Holy Spirit and full of faith. See, the two are tied. We pray, we ask the Lord and we believe that he's going to answer our prayers. Now the last thing we can do, there's many others, but three simple ones. We pray, we pray in faith, and we read the Bible. I told you, these are really simple. Really simple. But listen to this verse in Romans 10. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. See, the, the three are tied together. So look at Bible reading not as a, a, a checklist, something you have to do, but look at it as one of the primary means to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. See, as you day by day open this book and ask the Lord to speak to you and you read His word, and your faith grows, and your prayers grow, and you grow. See, it goes like in a, a circle. So tomorrow morning, I will do what I do every morning. I will get up early, I will make a cup of coffee, and I will open my Bible and start praying and reading and asking the Lord to speak to me. I don't do that because I have to. I don't do that because that makes me a Christian. I don't do that because that somehow secures eternity for me. No, all that has been done by Jesus. I do that because I want to experience more of God. And so if you do these three very simple things, you will experience more of this life-transforming power that God has for you. So you pray. You pray in faith. And you open His Word. Lord, I want to encounter you. I want to taste and see that you are good. Last night we had this uh, night of testimonies and worship. And what struck me, there was a number of things that were really encouraging about the night. But a lot of the people that shared experienced great, great, great hardship over the past 
several years. Great, unimaginable in some circumstances, hardship and loss. And yet, they were able to testify, to speak about God's faithfulness, God's love, God's chasing after them, even when they didn't want anything to do with the Lord. Because they know Him. They've experienced His power. They've been filled freshly with His Spirit. And that's what God wants for all of us. So we pray. We pray in faith and we open His Bible. And if you're having trouble understanding the Bible, maybe you're new to the Christian life or maybe reading's just hard for you, talk to other Christians. Ask them to pray for you. Ask them to, to do a Bible study with you. Ask them to talk to you about difficult Scriptures. Write. If you saw my Bible at home, it is so written up with questions and comments and thoughts. Just be active in the Word. And as you do that over time, you will be different. He will change you. Last question. So if this happens, if we are all filled with God's Spirit over and over again, what's the result? What happens? Look at verses 19 through 21. We're just going to hit these quickly. See, these things that, that follow in verses 19 through 21, they're not things that you do to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There are evidences that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. So, verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. When God's people are filled with God's Spirit, they're singing people. They're, they're, they're the ones who delight in the Lord, who love to sing to the Lord, who love to share what they've experienced in the Lord with one another. There is a, a sense of a joy and a delight. And you might say, well, that's just not my personality. I don't believe you. Here's why I don't believe you. There is something in your life that excites you to the degree that, that when that happens, you tell other people with great excitement. I'm guaranteed there's something in your life. So if you're a hunter, say no more. Hunting. You, I don't have to tell you. If you, if you shoot, I'm a fisherman, but if you shoot the biggest deer you've ever shot in your life, I guarantee you're going to tell somebody. You're going to tell somebody. And you, when you tell them, you're going to show them pictures and you're going to tell them stories and you give them the play-by-play. -play. Not because somebody's making you do that. Because there's great delight in that. Those of you who are shoppers, this can be men or women. I know there's there's both men and women shoppers who like a good deal. Black Friday is happening. It's about to happen. And online is probably happening already. When you get the deal of your life on whatever that object is, you tell somebody. You probably tell lots of people. Why do you do that? Because you're excited about it. And you want others to know about it. See, that's all, that's all he's talking about. If you've really experienced the Lord, you've been saved from judgment, from wrath, from hell. You've been saved from enslavement to sinful behaviors and patterns. You've been set free. That should make you want to sing. It should make you want to tell people. It should make you want to be bold about who he is and what he's done. So an evidence is that you're singing people. Verse 20. Another evidence is you're a thankful people. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, a mark 
of being filled with the Spirit is gratitude towards the Lord. Lord, thank you for all the ways you have been good and kind to us, individually and as a church. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you for delays in answered prayer. Thank you that you are a promise-keeping God and we can trust you no matter what is happening in our lives. And then the last one, and we're going to get into this a lot more next week, might be a little surprising, is verse 21. Um, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, when God captures somebody's heart, think about what happens. You recognize for the first time there's a king and he's not you. He's not you. You're no longer king. You're no longer in charge. He's in charge. And he's a good king. He's a kind king. He's a benevolent king. But he's one that that deserves worship and praise and reverence. And so we submit to the king. Part of becoming a Christian is you, you give up control of your life and you surrender to Jesus. And you place yourself under his rule and reign And it's wonderful. It's beautiful. And so when Jesus is our king, then we are a submissive people to one another in whatever roles we find ourselves in that you have to place yourself under a certain authority structure or a certain situation. But you do it out of reverence for Jesus, out of worship for Jesus. See, as we are filled with the Spirit, we we will want to do things differently. We don't want to be the boss. We don't want to be the king. We don't want to be the ruler. We've been redeemed by the king, the true king, the real king, the only king that's going to last. So we want to follow him out of great reverence. And so next week we're going to get into how is that that supposed to show up in marriage, in the marriage relationship, in parenting, in in other um, situations that we find ourselves in where either you maybe are in charge of something, or you're, you're, you're the worker. You're not, not the boss. Um, how can we honor Christ in all of those different situations? So that's where we're heading next week. But your homework for this week is ask the Lord to fill you with His Spirit freshly. Let's all stand and pray and if the band could come up. Holy Spirit, we ask the very thing that, that you tell us to do. We ask to be filled with your Spirit. We want to encounter you. We encounter more of you. We pray as we sing. We would sing in faith. We would sing with joy. And you would fill us freshly with your spirit. You would give us more of an awareness of who you are. Lord, for those who struggle opening your word, Lord, give them a hunger and a desire. And give them eyes to see things that they haven't seen before in your word. And give them a greater faith, greater trust in you. Jesus, we love you. We pray you administer to us as we sing this final song. We ask this in your name. Amen.